Thank you so much for joining us here at Grace Church's podcast. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. We hope this teaching makes a difference in your life. Well, it's great to be back. Uh, Heather and I were out of town last week, and I appreciate Bradley Hebden speaking. I listened to his message this week. It was great. He did a great job. He's a great thinker, theologian, teacher, and it was just really great. I just want to thank the team, uh, all of you who serve so faithfully, and it's just great being able to uh, be out of town and not worry about the church. No things are going great. In fact, some awesome things were going on while we were gone. It was a teacher appreciation week in our public schools, and so uh, many of you are involved in in serving and blessing and bringing food to the teachers at Wanda Gray, at Cherokee, and at Weller. And here's some pictures of the team at Weller. You can just uh, flip through those pretty quick. There, there's a lot of food, so I don't want you guys to get too hungry. So we won't, we won't hang out there too long. But just, uh, just thankful to be able to make a difference. Uh, we're called to make a difference in our families, in our community, in our world. And, and that's what we're doing. And thank you for those that serve. So can you guys just thank uh, those in our church who served this week? Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for... Uh, making a difference in the lives of our teachers. Um, Well, Mom's happy Mother's Day. Um, This is a special Mother's Day for me, not because I'm a mom, uh, but because my mom is here. So my mom's moving to town, so go for it, Mom. Yeah, you're going to get to know my mom. I Trust me on that one. That's just a preview right there. And my mother-in-law is here. I have an awesome mother-in-law, so I'm just... So, yep, go ahead, mother-in-law. That's Debbie. And uh, it's just, it's great to have. So this is a true story, okay? True story. Um, my, uh, my, my mom lets us know that she is going to, uh, to be moving here. And she hands me a list of everything she wants in a house and says, here you go, go find me a house. Promise. True, isn't it, Heather? This is what she does, right? Well, the Lord had already been working. I knew she was thinking about it, and I talked to somebody, and the Lord just worked it out where I had found what I thought was the perfect house for her, and, and it's not far from here. It's about a mile, and she handed me her list. Everything that she wanted in a house was on this list, right? So I start talking to her about how great this house is, and I said, and the location is perfect. It's right by the church. It's close to us. It's close to your grandkids, and this is what my mom says, Okay. She goes, even better, it's close to Brahms. Seriously. Grandkids, kids, church, it's close to Brahms. So I just now I know where I rank in order from uh, close to Brahms. So, Mom, I'm glad you, you have a Brahms now close by. We want to celebrate moms today. We want to celebrate all ladies. I believe the Lord has put a mothering spirit in all women. And whether you have kids or not, we want to celebrate you and just glad that you're here. In fact, we have a drawing um, at the end of service. Uh, we're giving away two $100 uh, gift certificates to a spa. And uh, I, haven't, I don't go to spas. I know that surprises you. But I, I don't go to spas. But I've heard this is a great spa. Some ladies said, you picked a good one. And I said, I didn't pick it. The ladies on the staff picked it, but I'm glad we picked a good one. Uh, two winners first service, and so uh, there'll be two winners this, uh, this service. We're going to do it at the end of service, so, so stick around. That's all I want to just stick around. Yeah, don't, don't walk out. Stick around. It's going to be worth sticking around for. So here's some sayings about moms. Okay, here's some sayings about moms. It's a Spanish proverb. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Uh, yeah, here's a Mother's Day card. Now that we have a mature adult relationship, there's something I'd like to tell you. You're still the first person I think of when I fall down and go boom. 
This, is, this, this really occurred. This, this is a, a card. It says, Mom, today is Mother's Day, so don't bother with the dishes. Leave them. You can always wash them tomorrow. <laughs> Your kids. Some of you have gotten that card, haven't you? If it was going to be easy to raise kids, it never would have started with something called labor. The man who remembers what he learned at his mother's knee was probably bent over at the time. Children are natural copycats. They act like their parents in spite of every effort to teach them good manners. And then finally, psychiatrists tell us that girls tend to marry men who are like their fathers. So now we know why it is that mothers cry at weddings. I think I saw some elbows right there. I think I saw some elbows. So this morning, my sermon is entitled, Pain, Joy, and Expectations. Pain, Joy, and Expectations. Mother's Day and Mother's Day sermons are a unique challenge um, as a pastor. Uh, There's the joy of the new mother, of those that are, this is your first year as a mother or first year as a grandmother. Um, So there's great joy in that. Uh, Maybe your kids have had great successes this year, and so you feel great, great joy in that. There's also pain and disappointed hopes and desires from your relationship, maybe with your mom or a lack of a relationship with your mom. There can be disappointment in the desires that you have for your kids. Maybe there's relational distance right now. Maybe you experienced the death of your mom this year or, or recently or today brings back memories of that. A loss of a child, an inability to have a child. And so after pastoring for over 20 years, when I approach a morning like this, when I walk up here this morning, I can feel, I can feel all of those emotions. It's like, for me, it's like a light fog on an early morning day that It's hard to distinguish with your eyes, but you can feel it in your bones. And I know this morning is one of those mornings. And so we have all of those, but we also want to encourage our moms. Moms, you guys sacrifice so much. And and the dedication you have, we want to to celebrate that and your sacrifice. And I also want to offer something this morning that I believe would have a sermon have value to everybody here, not just moms. And so as I was reading many, many passages in the Bible this week, as I was preparing on moms, there was a pattern that emerged of three realities that I see in virtually every story regarding a mom and a Bible. And the fascinating thing to me is that these three realities are not limited to just moms. So I think everybody's going to get value from this this morning. And the three realities are pain, joy, and expectations. Pain, joy, and expectations. First of all, pain. Pain. I know what you guys are thinking. Wow, this is going to be a great Mother's Day sermon right here. We're going to start with pain. Well, I don't know. It seems makes right. It makes sense, right? Since childbirth is so painful, right? Yeah, that joke didn't go over first service either. So, yeah, you guys, you're the ladies thing. You guys, you don't know, you know nothing about pain, buddy. You know nothing about pain. Well, I think one of the reasons that that pain is so often associated with motherhood, it's especially in the Bible is that so many of the stories are, are tied to barrenness, are tied to the inability to, to have a baby. And so the stories, many of the stories in the Bible even start with that point of pain. So it makes sense. Do you know the mother of Samson um, was, was, was barren, was not able to have a baby until she was visited by the Lord? I didn't really remember that of the story until I, until I reread it this week. And I mean, what a great example of a mother who, who experienced great joy in having a baby and not being able to. But then imagine the pain of Samson being your son, right? I mean, I mean, just wow, right? Of just the difficulty, great joy, 
right? Because he was a leader. He's a judge in Israel. We talk about him today. Um, but great pain. He was married to a prostitute. He got his eyes poked out because of his disobedience, and he died in a Canaanite shrine, right? I mean, not, not the expectations she had for her son. Yet, God used him greatly. And so in that great vary of emotion in Samson's mom of pain and joy and, and expectations, we find ourselves as well. And, and, and I have no idea what the pain of physical barrenness must feel like to a lady, especially on a day like today. But I think we all can identify with the pain of barrenness insofar as fruitlessness in our lives, of desires, dreams, hopes, expectations, things that we want to see happen or have wanted to see happen that haven't, that haven't happened. So I think in that aspect, we can all identify with it. And as a mother, I think you mothers, you guys have the greatest ability to love. I think without a doubt, moms have the greatest ability to love, but also the greatest ability to feel pain. So what do we do with our pain? Because we're going to have pain. We're going to experience pain in life. It's going to happen. So how do we handle it? How do we, how do we deal? What do we do with our pain? One example in the Bible is of a story named a lady named Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham, who, who was barren, and, but the Lord had visited Abraham, and he said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And so her conclusion was that she would be the mother of a great nation. And, and, but it wasn't happening. And there was great pain in their life because of expectations they had and, and the promise that they had had, yet it had not been fulfilled. And so they, there, was, there was great pain. And, and, and Sarah does what we often do that she took matters in her own hands, and she tried to fix the pain. She tried to fix the problem. She tried to have a solution. And so she gave um, her husband Abraham her stunt double, and, and we know what happened, right? There was Ishmael, and, and well, there's still issues uh, from that union today. And she tried to fix it. It didn't work. And I've learned in life that when I try to fix pain, it, it doesn't work either. And doesn't our culture have many ways to try to, to fix pain, try to medicate pain, try to, to take care of? I mean, our culture provides so many opportunities of ways to try to do that, but they all end and they're all, they're all a dead end. They're all a dead end. They're disasters for us just like they were for Sarah and for Abraham. But there's another story in the Bible of a woman who experienced great pain, yet her, the way she handled it was different than how Sarah handled it. And this is the story of Hannah. story of Hannah, if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel, um, we'll get to the, the text in just a moment. But I want to talk for, for about Hannah for, uh, for, for just a minute. Hannah was married to a gentleman named Elkanah, and every year they would go to the temple as they would go to worship. Uh, they would go and they'd present their sacrifices. And the message translation, which I'm going to read out this morning, uh, calls um, Elkanah's other wife than Hannah, the rival wife, which I find is an interesting translation. Uh, so there's a rivalry going on. There's difficulty. And so you know how if you have a, a, a part of your body that hurts, right, and you go to the doctor, and let's say it's your shoulder, and the doctor goes like, right there? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right there. Well, that's what was going on because Hannah had great pain because she had not been able to have a child, and this other wife knew that, and she would point at it. She would poke at it. The Bible says she would make fun of Hannah, and she, would, she, would, she was brutal in the affliction of pain, and we can find ourselves 
that way in life, have experienced pain like that to such a degree. And her husband tried to help, right? Just like us husbands do, right? When our wives were hurting, he gave her, it's, you can read it, when they were there at the worship ceremony, sacrifices, he would give her extra food because he loved her so much. So he was trying to give her more stuff, and, 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 and that, that didn't fill the brokenness. And then he, this is, what, this is what he said, I love this, I don't have it up here on the screen for you, but, but, he, but he says this, he goes, he says this, he says, honey, this is J. Bean's translation. He says, honey, aren't I enough? Isn't the love we have with each other better than ten sons? And she's like, no, honey, it's not. You're not better than ten sons. Sorry to disappoint you. And she's just so broken, and she's, so, she's in so much pain. And, and we see the prayer that she prays in, in verse 10. I, I have it on the screen. It says, crushed in soul. I love this description. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Have you ever been inconsolable? That's pain. Inconsolable. Then she made a vow. Oh God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good look, a hard look at my pain. I love her honesty. A good hard look at my pain. If you'll quit neglecting me, honest here, she's honest with the Lord, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely, unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. He would take a Nazarite vow. He would serve the Lord in in his temple. See, most of our prayers start exactly where Hannah's prayer started. In pain and tears. And it was caused by pain, but her prayer wasn't confined to pain. It actually took the form of a vow. And she involved herself, and she both asked and she gave. She both asked and she gave, and she gave herself. And so she models for us here that the way to respond to pain is to turn to the Lord. The way to respond to pain is to turn to the Lord. Not all the other options that our culture gives us, but to simply turn to the Lord. And, and she gives us that example. She turns to Him. So not only is our life full of pain, do we experience pain in life is one reality. Another reality of our pain is joy, of our life is joy. Is joy. Lots of joy in being a mom. The first laughs, first steps, good decisions your kids make when they're teenagers, right? Those are moments of joy, aren't they, parents? The hugs, the kisses. And so often the joy is found in such the simple things where joy is found. You know the way to respond to joy? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. In our pain, we turn to the Lord. In, in moments of joy in our life, we turn to the Lord. And, and so we'll continue the story here. Uh, what happens is, is that the Lord touches Hannah. She conceives. She gives birth to Samuel, a great prophet. And, and she does what she said she would do. She brings him to the Lord. She brings him to the to priest Eli. She dedicates him to service of the Lord and presents him and gives him to the Lord. And I'm telling you, friends, that blows my mind. That level of commitment, that level of, of sincerity of, of what she's longed for, what she's prayed for, what she's believed for, what she's cried for, is now given to her. And she gives the most beautiful, precious thing that she has to the Lord. And we find her next prayer. And these prayers are model prayers for us. Chapter 2, verse 1 and and 2, it says, Hannah prayed, I'm bursting with good news. I'm walking on air. You know that song, I'm walking on sunshine? Oh, 
That's, that's what's going on in my mind when I read this passage. I just, that's the soundtrack in my mind when I'm reading this verse. I'm bursting with good news. I'm walking on sunshine. I'm walking on air. I'm laughing at my rivals, who is the other wife. I'm dancing my salvation. Nothing and no one is holy like God. And what blows my mind is that when she's singing this song, when she's praying this prayer, when she's dancing on sunshine... It's not because she conceived. It's not because the Lord gave her Samuel just those things. She's actually doing this as she is presenting him to the Lord. She's given him to the Lord, and this is her response. That blows my mind. It blows my mind that, that she's, she's, she, her song is not about her getting pregnant, but it's about her incomparable great God and his mighty ways. Wow. She, she shows us here the way to respond to joy is to turn to the Lord. Because let us not for a minute take credit for the moments of joy in our life. Let us give full thanks and glory to God for every moment of joy that comes to our life. And wouldn't you say that moments of true joy are so rare that we should embrace them? We should suck the nectar from them and, be, and let it be life to our bones. Every good and beautiful and wonderful thing comes from God above. So let's don't rush past things of joy and of happiness and goodness. Let us be people who thank the Lord, who celebrate moments of joy, who celebrate those good things and thankfulness to the Lord. You know, in our life this week, we experienced a very joyful moment, just incredible moment of joy. We took our, our daughter, Maddie, um, to, to California. She's been living with us for the last seven, eight months. Our husband's been deployed uh, for seven months in the Middle East on aircraft carrier. And as we, uh, uh, as, as he was coming home, we, uh, we, they, she had, they had two cars, so we loaded the cars up with all the baby stuff, all of those things. Our, our daughter, um, our three-month-old grandson, Bear, um, their dog. The dog's gone now. Thank you, Jesus. I've been delivered of the dog. It's gone. I'll tell you, it was a great moment when that dog left our house. I've heard things like called like grand dogs. There is no such thing as a grand dog. Let me just say that. that I know people, kids try to, it does not exist. There's no such thing. So we've been delivered to the dog, and I'm thankful. And so we loaded everything up, and we, uh, we, we were headed west. And so we're driving the cars out there. We're, we're two cars. We're caravanning out there. Everything's going great. Baby's sleeping. Dog's okay, you know, and so we're, he- we're headed out west, we get to Amarillo, have dinner in Amarillo, we're leaving Amarillo, it's getting dusk, and just a few miles from New Mexico, Heather's behind me, she calls me, she said, Jay, I think I just saw smoke from behind your car. Now, Maddie's car has like just over 30,000 miles on it, it's a Honda, it's a good vehicle, but so I, I couldn't believe anything would be wrong, and so I, I looked down, I looked at the gauges, right, because they're there for a reason, and, and the temperature gauge started going towards hot and I'm like oh no so I pull over and uh and I I go and and as as any man would do I open the hood you know and um I take my mechanical expertise and apply it open the hood and I see a belt just shredded and so I'm thinking what are our options right so I think well I have a t-shirt on and I think I saw on tv once where you tie a t-shirt on a uh, you know to the pulleys and, and it worked on tv and then I thought, I better not trash my daughter's car. <laughs> so I called tow truck, 
two, two and a half hours later, I sent them on to get back to Amarillo to get a hotel room. And, and, but thankfully, thankfully, the frontage road was, was old Highway 66. So the dog and I got our kicks on Highway 66 for a couple hours. I tried to walk him to death. I was unsuccessful. But um, we, we, we walked on the road there till the uh, tow truck came. And then and it was a water pump. It seized up. Thankfully, they had the part. Everything worked out. We were able to make our way out to San Diego to, to Coronado Island. So on, so on Monday, our, our son-in-law, Parker, uh, was arriving home on his aircraft carrier that he's a, uh, a, a nuclear engineering operator on. And he, um, so it's, it's Barrett's, uh, our grandson's three-month birthday, because when you're a grandparent and there's months, you count them, right, grandparents? So it's his three-month birthday, and it's their second wedding anniversary. He hasn't met his son yet, and um, we, uh, they didn't get to experience their first anniversary together because he was out to sea then as well. And so I, I, I did a little video. I think some of you probably watched it on on um, Facebook, because it's, it's had like, I think, close to a thousand views um, this week. But, um, but I, so I, t- I want to show you just a little bit of it this morning. So I gave it to David, and, and David took creative liberties with it, and he made it better. And thank you, David, for doing that. And I just, I just want to let you guys in on a joyful moment in our family this week. So here's, here's our daughter and our grandson being reunited with his dads. Wow, yeah. Wow, when I was in the moment, I, I mean, I was caught up in the excitement and all that, but as I watched that last night, man, I was fighting tears. Wow. I think I'm going to watch that like every day. I love that. Thank you, David, for making that. But see, we want to turn to the Lord and we want to give Him praise and thanksgiving for everything good, for the joys that we experience in life. Because pain is a reality, joy is a reality, but expectations are a reality as well. Expectations. Different than expectation which is like faith and looking, lo- having that belief. But expectations are looking for specific outcomes, specific realities that, that we're hoping for, the way we hope, expect things to turn out. All the moms that I've read about this week had expectations for their kids. And most of the expectations that they had for their kids didn't play out exactly like they hoped they would. Moms can't get any amens like on that one, right? Just, they just, and the older you get, the more you realize that that's true. And, and, and you know why that is? It's true in the Bible because it's full of humans. And it's true of us because we're human. And so we have this, we have this narrative, we have these expectations of what do we expect our kids' future to look like or what we expect our future to look like. And, and as you get older, you realize those don't always match up. And so everyone has these expectations. I have them. So what do we do with them? What do we do with these when these expectations aren't, don't materialize, when they don't play out as we think they should? Well, we respond very similar, in the similar way that we do to, to pain and to joy. The way we respond to unmet expectations is to trust the Lord, is to trust Him, to trust Him in this. The last mom from the Bible we're going to look at this morning is Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see in St. Luke's account of the birth of Jesus that Mary was surprised and had no expectation for anything out of the ordinary in regard to their family planning for their future family. When the angel Gabriel shows up and announces to her that, um, hey sis, you're pregnant. Really? And yeah, and it's the Messiah and 
It's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Talk about, like, expectations, right? All over the place. Thankfully, Gabriel told Joseph, her fiancé, as well. So that turned out well. And if you don't know the rest of the story, um, I'll do a series about it in December. So come back. I'll, I'll talk about it in December. And, and so, so it gives birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the shepherd king. The prophecies have been going on for thousands of years that the Messiah was coming. And I can only imagine as she nursed him, as she raised him, as she, as she developed him, as he grew in favor with God and man, that the expectations that she had in her mind and her heart for her son began to grow and began to take shape. And as she would daydream, as we all have about our kids, about what their futures could look like, that that I, I can't even imagine. I mean, our kids think we have high expectations for them. Well, imagine what hers might have been, of the expectations that, that she would have had. And and as they and as this 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 story occurs, it's 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 pretty amazing to me of the birth of Christ. It's almost like I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but it's almost like it's like a musical because what happens uh, in um, in uh, in Luke's account in in chapter one is that. We have Mary who's pregnant with Jesus. Her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant with John the baptizer. And, and they get together. And so when Mary walks in the room, um, John the Baptist, who is in Elizabeth, leaps in her womb. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she breaks out in song of praise in the Lord. And then Mary responds in song. And to me, it, I mean, I just, like, I've never seen anything like that. It's just amazing to me. And and they should make a movie about it, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. They should make a movie about the birth of Christ. And and so um, and and so Mary responds in a song. And you know what song she responds in? It's Hannah's song. That she had read Hannah's song. She had studied scripture. She had hid it in her heart so she wouldn't sin against the Lord, as as David tells us to do. And and that was that was in there, and it came out in worship. Luke 1.46 said, and Mary said, some translations say Mary saying, I'm bursting with good news. She's dancing on the same sunshine. She goes, I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. Such excitement, such expectations. I can't imagine the expectations that began to build. I doubt she had the expectations that they would have to flee when Jesus was so young, a baby. Flee to Egypt so they wouldn't be killed. I bet that wasn't part of her expectations. I bet she didn't have the expectation that her tween would get lost on a trip, a holiday trip, a worship trip uh, to the temple and be astounding rabbis with his questions and his understanding. That wasn't part of her expectations. He'd be about doing his father's business instead of what his mom wanted him to do. I don't think that was part of her expectations. And, and then we see a great look into her expectations in Jesus' first miracle uh, at, at Cana. It was a wedding at Cana, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I have it on the screen here. It says, There was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, They're just about to run out of wine, son. And, and I wonder, why would she tell him that? Because she doesn't tell him that like it's just information. She tells him this like, you need to do something about it. And that was the context of it. And so, I, I don't know. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know why she thought he would or could or whatever. Because uh, it's the first uh, miracle we have recorded in Scripture. But this mama had expectations of her boy. 
And so she begins to tell him about it. And, and then he tells her about it. And Jesus said, is that any of our business, Mom? Yours or mine? What, what, do we really want to get involved in this? This is just isn't my time. Don't push me. Does that, is that, Mom, does that sound like any kid? That you, you, can any mom relate to that there? And, and this is what she does. She says, she, she went ahead anyway, like moms do. She went ahead anyway, and she told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. So she mic drops it and walks away. And she leaves Jesus hanging. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And she's like, all right, guys. Get some containers, fill them with water, and then we know that he turned that water into wine. But she, had, she came with expectations. She had these expectations. And we see her so faithful to her son, to his, to his earthly ministry. We see, that, we see this mom there faithful to him. She was faithful to him even unto his death. Even unto his death. An affirmation from John Killinger's Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise. Let me read this. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who was born of the promise to a virgin named Mary. I believe in the love Mary gave her son, which caused her to follow him in his ministry and stand by his cross as he died. I believe in the, in the power of the love of all mothers and its importance in the lives of children they bear. It is stronger than steel, softer than down, and more resilient than a green sapling on the hillside. It closes wounds, melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God. A dark reflection of all that we can expect of Him, both in this life and the next. And I believe that one of the most beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets this greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with the tenderness of her touch and the tears of her joy. So I just wonder about the expectations in Mary's heart great love for her son we see in john chapter 19 verse 25 that jesus was on the cross john tells us that now there stood by the cross of jesus his mother his mother was there i can't imagine the pain that mary experienced at that moment i'm not even sure mary fully understood the plan of god and the execution of jesus even the night before Jesus had been praying to his father, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other possibility. I, I can't imagine the, the war going on inside of Mary, of the expectations that she had that this, surely this couldn't be playing out the way she saw as she held her little baby and now seeing him executed. Couldn't have been playing out the way she saw it happening. This Savior, this ruler, this Messiah the shepherd king. But as I was looking at this, as I was praying, I realized that Mary was at the perfect place to bring her expectations. And that is at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And that's the place that you and I can bring our expectations. That in these moments of, of unmet expectations, of hopes, of dreams, of desires, of, of, of grief, of pain, even joy, we can bring that at the foot of the cross. You can bring it to the foot of the cross. Because Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. He provides that. He provides the healing. He provides what we can put our trust in, which is He Himself. 
He took those nails for us. He took the whip for us, the sword for us. He gave his life for us. And Mary began to experience this firsthand. And we too can experience the the healing power of Jesus as we bring these things to him. The thing is, the story doesn't stop there. He died, he was buried, he resurrected on the third day, and then he came. And he walked among his family and his friends and his disciples, and he talked with them, and he shared with them, and and he was with them for several weeks. and, And before he ascended, before he went back up to heaven, he had gathered them together. It's Acts chapter 1-6. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you. He says, when they were, the, Acts, the book of Acts tells us, when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? Still, expectations. Do you see this? They still had these unmet expectations. Okay, great. You know, you're not dead. You've risen from the dead. But what about these expectations we have for you? He's like, you don't get it. You still don't get it. i got to go because there's another coming. There's a comforter. There's the Holy Spirit. One like me, and, and he's going to come. And when he does, you'll be endued with power. Be my witnesses locally, regionally, around the world. And then verse 12, it tells what happened after Jesus ascended. It said, so they left the mountain called Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was little over a half a mile away. They went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place. And then it lists all the disciples And in verse 14, it says, They agreed they were in this for good, completely together in prayer. The women included also Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers. Still, even at that point, unmet expectations that she had for her son. And the answer was to wait. The answer was to put their trust in the Lord, that he was bringing the right answer, that he would work. That he would work. And that's the message for us today. Whether pain, whether, whether this is the most joyous day, you're a brand new mom and, and you have joy exploding from your heart, are there unmet expectations that you're dealing with in life? That putting our trust in the Lord is the key. It's the way to do it. Hannah's taught us this. Um, Mary's taught us this. This is the way to do it. This is how we navigate it. This is how we trust. Because the Lord's given us promises. We have to hold on to that He who began a good work will complete it. Speak that over your kids. Speak that over your future. He's doing it. He's going to work. He's promised it. And let me even say this. Some of you, the expectations you have or maybe the promises that God's given you or the things that you're believing for, that they're going to be realized, but they may not be realized in your life. And to have trust in the Lord. He has this. He's in control. His parents, how many know we're not, right? When kids get older, you're like, do you have control? No. You guys have control? Oh, I, I don't. Right? You don't have any control. But you know, you can trust the Lord. So first service, the Lord, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share an illustration about Jacob, my oldest son, whom I did not have permission to share the story. And so I go to him, at the, he's here second service, and I said, Jacob, can I tell this story? And he said, he looked at me, and I think there's a special place in heaven for pastor's kids. Who have, I'm just telling you, 
who have a, there's going to be their own table at the marriage supper of the Lamb for pastors' kids who are going to tell stories about their parents who have told stories about them. I think that's true. And I said, I said, can I, can I tell this story? And, and this was his answer, okay? Because he knows I'm asking permission. This is his answer. Well, did you tell it first service? <laughs> he didn't quite have that look on his face, but, and I was like, yes, I did. I'm sorry. Can I, can I tell you? He's like, fine. Okay, whatever, Dad. So forgive me, Jacob, and I'm trying not to embarrass you. But I, I just think it'll help a parent. So um, I don't ride around with Jacob very often. I don't, I don't ride around with Jacob very often, but I had the privilege. Yeah, privilege. I had the privilege to do so. Um, in December, uh, my grandmother had passed away, and we were doing her funeral in Tulsa. And uh, we were there for the weekend, and I was riding around with him. He was driving his sister's car, which had California tags. And, and, and I felt... I felt he was driving rather aggressively, and, um, and I was trying to coach him, you know, as we parents do uh, continually with our kids, and trying to coach him on defensive driving skills, and I was like, dude, you're, in a, you're driving Cal- a car with California tags in Tulsa, like, you're just asking to get pulled over, like, you're going to have to, you know, and so anyway, so I kept doing it, and then we would stop to get something to eat, and we were headed back to the car, and he said, hey, Dad, he's about to throw me the keys, he said, hey, Dad, do you want to drive? And I knew what was happening. And I said, Jacob, you're really tired of me telling you how to drive, aren't you? And he just got this look on his face like, you got it, Dad. And I'm like, I got it. I get the message. Okay, you're an adult. All right, cheers. And so I just you know, hung on for the rest of the ride, you know. And uh, the next day after the service, him and his brother had to leave early to get to work. And, and it's, we're about halfway through the afternoon. I get this, or Heather actually, and nobody ever told me about the story. But uh, uh, because moms always know first about everything, Right. And so uh, Heather gets the text, and, and his little brother's ratting him out. Sorry, Luke. And uh, text him, hey, Jacob's getting pulled over by a cop. And so he got, he got pulled over by a cop. And so all these things are going through my mind. Is he, how fast was he going? Is he going to get a ticket? Was he going so fast, is he going to get arrested? Like, you know, what, what's going on? You know, you immediately have, you know, all those thoughts in your mind. And a few minutes later, we hear he just got a warning, which I was so thankful for. So I'm having this conversation with the Lord. You know how the Lord can just... He can just drop something in your heart. It's like so small, but it has so much impact. And so I'm, and so I just, I'm just talking to the Lord, and, and, and the Lord just says this. He goes, Jay, I know you love Jacob. He said, but as much as you love Jacob, I love him even more. And you can't always be there. And, and I sent this cop to slow him down so that you would know that I'm going to be there for him when you can't be. That you're his father, but I'm his father too. And I'll continue fathering him even when you are not able to father him. So I wanted you to know that. And I'm telling you, it gave me so much confidence. It gave me, and I, wanted, I share that with you, not to embarrass my son. I'm sorry, Jacob. But he gave me permission. But, but, I, <laughs> but I share that with you so you just have the confidence to know that the Lord loves your kids. And he's watching out over them even when you can't. And as you pray over them and you believe and you speak the word over them. That he is parenting them even when you can't. And so some of us, what we need to do this morning is really, is we need to just trust the Lord with our future, with our kids' future, our grandkids' future. That we just would put our trust in, even regardless of expectations. And we come to the foot of the cross and we say, Lord, they're yours. Just like Hannah said, you gave them to me, but Lord, ultimately, they're yours. I give them to you. They're yours, Lord. They're your kids. And we would do that. So, Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? I want to pray for 
each of us. Lord, I pray for those this morning here, Lord, who, who are experiencing pain. Lord, maybe pain of, of infertility, or maybe pain of a death of a child or of a mom, or, or whatever the pain, or just life circumstances they may be walking in today. Maybe physical pain. Lord, I pray that you'd bring healing to whatever situation that is. Lord, they would turn, truly turn to you, Lord, and you'd meet them in their point of pain this morning. Lord, I thank you, for the Lord, for those that are experiencing joy. Lord, your word says to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. So, Lord, we rejoice with new moms today. Lord, we rejoice with those who, who life is great. Lord, we rejoice with them this morning. And, Lord, I pray you would heap joy upon joy upon joy upon them, Lord. And that this, would, this season in their life, Lord, would be um, just incredible. And, Lord, I also pray, Lord, for those that are struggling with with unmet expectations, either in their own life or in those that they love. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you would help us to truly trust you, Lord, with our kids, with our grandkids, Lord, with our futures, Lord. Lord, there's so many things beyond our control. But Lord, we can control, Lord, where we place our trust. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray your blessing on our moms. Lord, I just pray you'd give them all the wisdom and strength all the resource, Lord, the energy, the patience, the faith, Lord, all that they need, Lord, to do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.